This week, we talk a little more Ascend, take a look internally, and chat with Joe Stevens, Ascend's tech lead for infrastructure, about some changes and improvements we've made to the Ascend platform. And hint, there's some K's and some eights that we may be talking about. And we discuss just how this will help improve users' data pipelines in this episode of Data Aware, a podcast about all things data engineering. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Data Aware. Uh, Today, I am joined by somebody that I always enjoy chatting with, and I am forced to chat with him every day. So I better enjoy chatting with him and he better enjoy chatting with me. It's somebody you guys haven't heard from yet, but you will probably hear from a lot over the lifetime of this podcast. It is Joe Stevens, who works here at Ascend um, as the tech lead for infrastructure. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Good. Doing great and excited to be here and excited to chat with you. Well, thanks. You better be. You have to say that. I think you say that. Um, Joe, as I mentioned, tech lead for infrastructure. So Joe is the mastermind behind all of the infrastructure and what we do um, from that perspective here at Ascend. And while we normally keep these podcasts pretty not focused on what we're doing, we had some really cool updates to the platform a couple weeks ago that we felt warranted more than just a blog post. And Joe is kind of, again, the mastermind behind a lot of that. And so I wanted to bring him on here to talk about some of this stuff because it's not only exciting for us, it's exciting for our customers, it's exciting for anybody who starts to use the platform from here on out. And it's just kind of interesting stuff that folks can learn from. So Joe, are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Uh, join the hype. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Well, it's, it's super fun. And I know it was a lot of work and there was a lot of chatter about it and it, it was a long time coming. So super stoked. So with that, why don't you give folks a high level of what it is that I'm over here hyping? Yeah. Um, so from a high level, what we're doing is we're taking uh, the number of Kubernetes clusters that we run and we're cutting it in half. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, mostly, always better than more Kubernetes, I feel like. It totally depends. (laughs) (laughs) Valid. Uh, (laughs) So uh, for for a bit of background, um, our our traditional uh, deployment footprint for customer environments, um, we we, we run uh, single tenant customer environments. Um, This gives us a number of benefits, including very clean resource isolation, um, really very simple uh, security boundaries because there's no co-tenancy between, between customers. Um, and the each of those environments is made up of uh, two Kubernetes clusters. Um, this is a decision we made a, a long time ago. Um, we've actually been using Kate's for a while, um, God, uh, five plus years. Wow. Probably, yeah. Um, which I think is long in the lifetime of Kubernetes. Thank you, right? Um, we had originally been using it just as an orchestration plan for our core services. So your, you know, your your APIs, your uh, UI, your all, all the things that our, our users are using to actually orchestrate or to set up their orchestration. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we we originally were a platform that actually operated on top of uh, BigQuery for data transformation, um, little known fact. Uh, but when we started to move into a multi-cloud model, go figure, BigQuery is not available on other clouds. Uh, so we had to figure out our way around that. Smoking. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're big fans of added services here, but um, we, we needed something that was pretty consistent across clouds. So we, when we moved into Amazon, we actually started to run on top of Spark. We were a, a SQL first, well, mostly SQL engine at the time. And Spark was a, a great backend for that. Um, and initially we, we created the separation of, of two clusters kind of just on a gut instinct of, well, I don't know, resource isolation is good. And like separating compute from, you know, control is, is a, you know, classic pattern in, in computing, but it, it ended up actually serving us really well at the time. So we, we were heavy users of cops uh, in, in our initial uh, Amazon work, which, was made a lot of sense at a time when the options for managed providers were not particularly strong. Right. So uh, Google obviously had the most experience with with Kate at the time. So GKE was great. You know, we, we were very happy with that in, in GCP, but um, the the offerings from EKS at the time were very immature, they required a lot of work. They, they still require decent work, but like they, they basically caught up with the other clouds. So we we were using COPS, which meant that we were managing our own backends for Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. And this has some interesting interplay with the way in which we actually uh, did our data processing. So the the simplest model for if you want to do a bunch of data processing is Whenever you need to process something, you start a pod, you run it, it goes until completion, it finishes, and then for the you know next job, you do a new pod. It's it's really straightforward. It's the you know the the, the functions, the lambda model, of just a a pod for workload. Mm-hmm. The 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 interplay that that had was that's really hard on all of the control resources of the cluster, <laughs> whether that is the um, the actual uh, control backplane of Kubernetes, the, the scheduling, the you know syncing all of the state of the cluster back to SCD, which is something that we had we had to know about because we were we were running COPS, so we owned the backplane. We we managed those VMs. We we managed the actual storage for SCD. I have had to debug SCD that was broken uh, in production at the time. I don't do that anymore. It's great. But that was the thing we had to do then. And what what we found was that we we were able to get Kubernetes stable, but it it it, it came at a cost. The the easiest way it was not actually that hard to get COPS uh, Kubernetes stable. You could just make the, the the master nodes very very large. You could throw money at the problem until it goes away. That's not a great long-term solution because it's expensive. I was to say that's what everybody loves to hear when it comes for you know software and their budgets. I my head of finance loved me. Sure. <laughs> so we we eventually uh, did move off of cops 
and this was one of the the first steps. Well, it, one of the big steps that we saw in the maturity of the ecosystem of Kubernetes is since it has become the de facto provider for resource management in the cloud, and the uh, the the options, the offerings from each cloud that we run on have become fully mature um, as things you can depend on in production, like at reasonable cost, you know, 24 seven. So that allowed us to obviously move on to, you know, a cheaper backend, moving from managing our own, our own control plane to 10 cents an hour apparently is just what the industry has decided that Kate's costs. I'm fine with that. Sure. <laughs> a couple dollars a day, fine. But we we still we still want to make sure that when operating resources like DNS, like anything else that is is impacted heavily by new workloads coming up, that we still have that isolation. So there there were a couple more things that ended up coming into play that were big. One of the big ones was we figured out how to reuse workloads or reuse pods. Hmm. This offered us a lot of benefits in terms of performance um, because you avoid the cost of spinning up a pod, but it also actually has side benefits of massively, massively reducing the the load on the, um, the core components of Kubernetes. So because your pod still has, uh, for example, DNS cache. You know, it, it has already talked to Google, Spark, Spark Manager, you know, and any of the resources that it needs to get to, it knows where they are because it's asked those questions before. It, it puts less load on scheduling and the XED backend just because there's fewer events occurring. Right. And it, you know, it eliminates pod spend of time, which is great. Big fan of that. <laughs> big, big fans. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is, I think this happens in a lot of different ways as well. I think more on probably the infrastructure side than it does on kind of any other side of, of IT or data in that it was kind of the maturity of the technologies allowed us to just make the switch and make that sound really easy. It wasn't that easy, but just like make the switch and get rid of one of our Kubernetes clusters. And it's really kind of a benefit across the board, time save, cost save, all of that good stuff. That, that's sort of the gist. Yeah, it, it's the- Dumbing it down for me, just dumbing it way down for me. <laughs> I mean, the, the, really the other thing that happened was that we um, like, We've we've been running in in Azure, GCP, and Amazon on you know GKE, EKS, and AKS for multiple years now, um, and they largely just don't go down. Yeah, like it, you know we we used to see outages of of Kubernetes control you know control components, and we don't now. So it, it's it gave us the confidence that we 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 didn't need to be concerned about load related issues right. um, and consolidation from two clusters to one cluster. And the, the other big thing was our, our own maturity in, internally of, of being able to take what was this very convenient isolation layer of having two separate clusters between control and compute where there was a 
effectively a huge air gap between the two of them. And we didn't need to worry about, uh, you know, compute workloads that maybe are written by malicious users attempting to, you know, coerce the system and get to other, other components or get to data that they shouldn't be able to. Right. Um, so what, what we've, we've both in the Kate's ecosystem and our own management of it, we're now much more confident in being able to run those in the same, in the same cluster without, you know, concerns about uh, losing that, that isolation guarantee. Makes sense. So what can users expect? Is there any leading question because I know the answer to this, but is there any change in how they'll use the platform? Is there, what can they expect with this change that has now been pushed into production? Uh, so as with any good infrastructure project, ideally they shouldn't notice. <laughs> they, they That's they what should. my answer was. <laughs> Uh, they, they will not see any any specific changes, at least today, in terms of day-to-day -day usage of the platform. The the things that they that they may see, or or, or frankly, are more likely to show up in their bill, particularly for their uh, our um, customers that that own their own cloud infrastructure for Ascend. Mm -hmm. The the actual cloud footprint is reducing dramatically. There there were couple patterns we'd actually seen over time is that we we had sort of these these sister resources that that complement each other in the control cluster and the and the compute cluster where the control cluster was responsible for a lot of the listing and ingest processes followed by typically a lot of the transformation work was done in the compute cluster so what we would tend to see actually was this asynchronous scaling mm -hmm. of the two clusters that resulted in a lot of inefficiencies and delays of having to wait for VMs in the cloud to provision, having to wait for pods to bootstrap, having to warm up nodes. And a lot of that is now just gone because of, of moving to a single cluster. So you'll, you'll get a much more synchronous scaling experience behind the scenes which means that there, there shouldn't be that same set of associated delays. And overall, the actual, uh, the, the usage, the efficiency of consuming the compute that is launched should go up dramatically. Okay. So what does this mean for the future? What does this mean for the future of Ascend? But in all <laughs> what is this? mean? I mean, it, better resource management, like better being able to utilize resources that you have, lower cost infrastructure, all of that is great. But I also have a feeling that this helps us do some other things as well that users will find really cool. So it, it does. It, it's a lot of the value that it ends up bringing and this gets into, into some of the um, areas that I frequently operate in that are a little bit difficult to, to apply direct value to because they're, they're always a step away from the thing you actually want. So a, a lot of what we end up seeing here is 
a substantial simplification of the ascend footprint that, that comes from a couple different angles. The sheer I mean, reduction number of clusters means, you know, faster operations, um, you know, it, it means simpler uh, network connectivity. You know, if you're doing, for example, network peering with private resources, um, that's further simplified. If you're if you're interested in things like uh, further customizability of your infrastructure footprint, these are things that are, are going to be easier for us to deliver now. Okay. So th those those new features and functionality should come more quickly. You know, as always, working with limited resources, you do what you can. You can speed things up. Great. <laughs> the the other things that are that are interesting is this this opens up some more possibilities for interesting ways to share resources so okay. we're we're looking at at whether there's there's ways that we can we can do more with that for our customers going forward where with sort of the same shared hardware we can leverage the technology in kubernetes to you know whether it's uh, for efficiency or whether it's for single cluster with resource isolation between pools or that there's there's a number of different ways that you can potentially slice this where we can we can offer features that customers want like resource isolation or or um, cost controls or uh, security at a improved efficiency improved cost standard and improved performance metrics around them thanks so on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love this project? <laughs> uh, in all seriousness. In all seriousness. <laughs> how much should you love this? I, honestly, I enjoyed this one. It was, it was a lot of moving pieces and it 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 forced me to stretch a bit and and reinforce my understanding of of all the components of our architecture because they all like a ton of them moved in in the motions from you know consolidating down from two clusters to one one of the things that needed to happen was basically reconstructing at the security perimeter, you know, because we're, we're losing an air gap. We, you know, we, we no longer have that benefit. Um, so understanding what are all the things that need to talk to each other, what are all the things that need, you know, what, what uh, secrets do things need access to, how do our processes, you know, what do they depend on? Right. Um, and how can we model this in a way that is, um, extensible, uh, secure, um, efficient, all those things. Um, it was a really fun project. So we're going to call it like an 11? I'd call it 11, yeah. OK. Oh, a good time. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Jo just for the listeners out there i feel like joe normally operates on a scale on like an eight to nine on any given day he enjoys everything so to really enjoy a to really enjoy a project we have to go 
over the tent. It's like doggery. Everything's, kind of, <laughs> you know, 12 out of 10. We'll just call it that. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I can get that in there, I will. Anything else kind of, I mean, again, I feel like this is, it's one of those things that's a little bit understated, but it's a really cool way that provides, or it's a really cool thing that provides this kind of awesome optimization for Ascend users that, it, it, to your point, you're always kind of maybe one step removed from folks sort of understanding, you know, poor infrastructure is always kind of one step removed from what we're <laughs> seeing, but it's really cool and it provides some really awesome stuff. And it's also to some degree, something that folks even who, you know, aren't maybe Ascend users, but who are out there using other, you know, platforms or out there kind of doing their own thing could stand to learn more about because some of that resource utilization and some of that, you know, footprint utilization is, it, it can get really important and it can get kind of pricey kind of fast sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fun stuff. It's worth looking into. It's uh, honestly, if, if you're, if you're interested in running batch workloads on Kubernetes, both, uh, God, Palantir and OpenAI have done a ton of work on this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's worth checking out their posts. It's a, it's a really interesting space because it's, it's kind of co-opting a platform into doing something that it's not exactly optimized for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it brings fun challenges along along with it. Fun challenges are always good. Well, here's another fun challenge for you. Um, I can't let any guest get away without asking this question. Oh boy. So this is gonna be interesting to see if you've actually listened to any of our previous podcasts and you know what's coming. But over the next couple of years. And I know things are a little different because you're not like a data engineer or data analyst or somebody that's in that space, but you work in this whole space. And I think you have a great perspective on this. What are you most excited about over the next couple of years? Like what do you see? And it can be on kind of the infrastructure side of things as well. So I say, I think you have a really interesting perspective. Like, what do you see coming down the pipe that you're like, oh man, this is gonna be cool. It's, it's an interesting question because it, it's, honestly, I, I think a lot of what we're seeing is a strong consensus really across um, software disciplines that declarative models are strictly superior in every way. <laughs> Um, and we we've we've seen this uh, kind of thundering through infrastructure for a long time, and it's it's exciting starting to see it roll through uh, data, and, and and getting this this focus on really productivity and delivering value. Yeah, it's there's always like it kind of fits and starts as like people work on tools that like miss that <laughs> miss that memo and, the, <laughs> and uh, 
don't, don't quite get there, but it, it's, it, it does seem to be a consistent trend that everything is following though. And, and it's, it's allowed, I think one of the things that's been really exciting for me at Ascend is we're, we're able to do a, a lot with a small team. And I think a lot of that comes down to our intentionality around investing in things that allow us to be more productive. So see, seeing the maturity of those things continue to develop across, across all of these uh, you know, various tools and platforms and, and, and the like is exciting. It's, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, it, like nothing specific, but it, it just, it, it's, it's <laughs> coming from all angles and it's, <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> Joe, colon, he's a fan. <laughs> I'm telling you, Joe. This is why I say Joe is just always. This is why I enjoy talking to him every day. He's always on like a level eight of excitement about stuff. <laughs> so I can appreciate it. So here's the question On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to know that you're going to have to be back on the podcast again at some point? I'm, I'm here for it. It's 11. <laughs> nice. I'll take it another 11. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, Joe, thank you. Again, this is, it's one of those things super cool for us and super cool for our users. And I use the word cool a lot, but it is. It's exciting for us. It's exciting for our users. And it's, you know, something that we want to make sure people understand a little bit more about. So I appreciate you coming on today and kind of giving the background and, and what happened and all the good stuff. Always happy to chat. All right. Well, we will do it again soon. Sounds good. I'll hold you to that. Mm. <laughs> so as you can see, there's absolutely a reason I make sure to chat with Joe just about every day. Now, if you have any questions about this update or anything else Ascend related, you can always reach out to us on the Ascend community Slack at ascend.io slash join dash Slack. Welcome to a new era of data engineering.